Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerds Hundle and I'm just so grateful to share this person today who is empowering women back into their natural strengths. Maury Fontanez is a purpose coach and founder of 822 Group and she used to work in the corporate industry before creating her business. She now helps leaders to understand their higher purpose so they can serve from a place of connectivity and understanding. Hi, Maury. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us in this space today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very delighted to be here. Oh, bless you. I'm just so excited to talk to you about such important topics in the industry because I think it's so important what you're sharing and it's so important to really trust your own abundance from within. Mm, absolutely. So true. Yeah. And I'd love for you to share like what your journey was like before you became a purpose coach. Well, I really started my career in the marketing space. I started in digital marketing for entertainment companies. And so I really got to see the influence of, you know, digital platforms. And I call them that because this was well before social media really had taken hold um, on forming and changing people's opinions. And as a part of that, you know, started to feel this voice in my head that was asking, well, what, um, where does integrity play a role here? And what role do businesses have in ensuring that they can use the power of these platforms in a way that is, uh, you know, for the good of all? And from there, my, uh, my career took me into uh, more traditional PR and marketing and then change management and ultimately crisis strategy work, um, where I worked at a global agency for close to 12 years, uh, leading strategy and change management work for Fortune 500s. And again, you know, I would go in when stuff was hard in those companies, right? That's when they call Mm -hmm. the experts in. And I would always notice that, you know, behind every crisis, there was actually some internal chaos. There was internal chaos of each individual that was leading that company, but also there was chaos that then bled into the system. And so I decided that it was time for me to do something about it. And there wasn't really a container out there for, you know, addressing business, healing business at this core level. So I really, I decided to go create the container myself. Wow. And what was like, because obviously you must have noticed it for yourself as you were building up the business, but were there any like roadblocks for you as you were realizing this? Absolutely. I think the biggest roadblock for me, as with anyone, was myself, because Mm -hmm. we all have this advantageous belief system that have been trained into us um, that tell us it it doesn't make sense. It sounds crazy. (laughs) You're not the one. Um, And so I would say I was my biggest uh, obstacle in getting there is to just make sure that I did the work to really one, make sure that my vision was crystal clear and not being held back by my own self-doubt. And two, that I could truly embrace being fearless enough to go out there um, and say things that sound sometimes pretty woo-woo and crazy. 
you know, had seen me as this kind of buttoned up, respectable corporate person. Mm. Yeah. I completely relate because, as I was saying previously, just before the call, um, I used to be a journalist. So I was like that whole image of like, you must look this way, behave this way, act this way. And everyone is treated fairly in in, in the industry when it really isn't. <laughs> and then I walked away and suddenly I was in the spiritual world and people were like, who is she? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You can feel it. You can feel when people think that about you, right? Yeah. You can see. I always say I feel the eye roll from <laughs> old colleagues or clients or whatever it might be. I can feel them like, okay. Um, and you have to really build a process for yourself where you can become resilient and not require that validation in order to move forward. Yeah. I think with me as well, I realized when I took back how much pressure I had put on myself, how many expectations there were put on me by others and realizing right. actually it wasn't that I wasn't working hard enough. It was limitations within those industries that were causing me the problems. Absolutely. That is so true. And yeah. that's why I talk about healing systems, right? Because mm -hmm. for me, you know, um, you see all of these businesses right now facing transformation. They know they have to transform. They understand that they have to transform into either a more digital business or a more, um, you know, customer centric business. But all of that is about connection. That's what they're really trying to say. And when they're transforming this brand or this business without doing the work to transform yourself as a Ooh. leader, it's not ultimately going to resonate. It's not ultimately going to be an actual transformation. Yeah, it's almost robotic, isn't it? And I, I don't know if you know yeah. this as well. It's uh, it's that kind of like 80s powerhouse, shoulder pads, like energy. Right. It's not like love or like empathy. It's like you've got to keep going. You've got to toughen up. And it's all so masculine, but it's there's no femininity there. Yeah, so true. And I think we... You know, we think of that word femininity in the wrong way. You know, mm. femininity is very powerful and it's very strong. And we keep, you know, ascribing things to it that make it seem weak or soft or, um, you know, it is those it, it is soft, too. But, you know, there, there's benefit in that. There's power in that. And I think, you know, we just when we talk about feminine qualities to business, unfortunately, that in itself almost feels like we are minimizing the impact of that business. I think we have to work on that word femininity and make sure we really understand the definition of that word. Yeah. And for me, and I've noticed as well, and a lot of friends who've left the industry and people who've gone and left their businesses on their journey is that yeah. all of us were very masculine in the sense that we thought we had to behave in a particular way and act in that manner. And then it was really right. about gentling ourselves and realizing we can have the power of the femininity and the masculinity but it's yes one is not bigger or better than the other they blend well together <laughs> exactly and we all have you know parts of that within us all of us and just because we need to be put into a box for other people's comfort um, doesn't mean that that's where we should stay yeah so why do you think so many people who work in like the corporate industry have lost their connection with like their own inner GPS? Well, because the corporate right now, I mean, I've, I've been talking a lot about this, you know, people are trying to move away from capitalism because mm -hmm. capitalism and, and, you know, then the cultures that capitalism create are ruthless and cutthroat and, and put profit first. But, you know, what I tell people is that capitalism is a process. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so it's not really that the process is um, the problem. It's the people that have gained through that process that need that process to look a certain way <laughs> for them to gain and others to, to, to be uh, held back. That is the problem. And so I think you're um, taking a long road to answering your question, but I think it's really that there is a system in place of reward um, for behaviors and characteristics that look quote unquote successful yeah. that are uh, old and mm. that people still ascribe to. And so if you, you believe as a cog in the wheel, that if you want to stand out and succeed and continue to rise, that you have to embody those behaviors that are valued by this oppressive system. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we have, you know, cultures that are trying to, um, you know, connect, but ultimately, you know, it fails because the leadership and again, the system that that leadership operates within rewards and, and holds dear other values than, than connection and empathy and emotional intelligence and abundance. Yeah, it's so true. And I relate with this 100% because the moment I started studying journalism, they told me you need to toughen up. This is a tough industry. You need to be uh-huh. like this and be like that. And suddenly my behavior changed and I became very like alpha female and I had to act in a way. And um, mm-hmm. when I entered the industry, God, I had like headaches every single day, was taking medication, like I was taking headache uh, medication. Um, mm. I was collapsing. I was running oh to work. Um, I actually collapsed in the office three times and the third time I wasn't oh. breathing. And I said to myself, <gasps> oh my what? God. Yeah, <laughs> I have an extreme story. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, third time I wasn't breathing. And I was the type of person, Maury, where would help everybody in the office. If they had any problems, they came to GERDS. It's just GERDS. Mm-hmm. If you're on a lunch break, tell me all their problems. And it, I've always had that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize that back then. And so mm-hmm. the moment I was not breathing, an ambulance came. Nobody in the office came with me that day because they were too busy oh, with wow. work. And I remember thinking, like you said, there's no empathy. Like, what is wrong with these people? They're more bothered about the work and the system than actually caring. And I remember feeling so hurt in the ambulance. Um, and that mm. night I decided to walk home instead of taking a taxi. I just wanted to clear my head. And I thought, mm. I said to myself, this is not the life you wanted, Gerds. You're not like this. You're not this alpha, mm. toughen up person. You really need to come back home to yourself. But at that point, I didn't really understand what that meant until I went on the mm. journey. Mm. And I think like what you said is it's so true. So many people are trying to fit into this old system, but the system is so outdated. It doesn't exist in this world now. We are at a different level right. and our vibration is growing. And, you know, there's a lot of men, like we could say, that have are now expressing their feminine side and, you know, being more emotional and being expressive. But the industry yeah. is still backdated to being an alpha man. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that what you're describing to me is a dark night of the soul process, right? It's one of those things where the universe needs to get your energy, get your attention, sorry, uh, because you're meant to do something greater. And sometimes, you know, I tell my clients this when I'm doing purpose coaching, it's like, if you don't pay attention, right, and you keep trying to just make it fit, make it fit, and, and everything about your being is telling you, no, this is not the right way, then it, it'll get your attention. And it can be very dramatic. It's a drama queen. 
So it sounds like you had one of those experiences where it was like, look, we need to show you the environment you're operating in so that you are eyes wide open and can't close them again. Oh, absolutely. And like I yeah. had I had many leading up to that point, but again, had little knocks, kept ignoring them. Yeah. And then this was um this was a medium mock mock actually. It was actually when I after I left that job, um, I got made redundant. And funny enough, how the universe works. Well, it's not funny when you say it out, but <laughs> to me at that time. Yeah. <laughs> but um I had yeah. a cancer scare and that woke the crap out of me. Oh. I was like, if I don't change my life now, like mm. I won't be here right now and that was my shift but it was it took me to have a massive awakening to realize that this industry was actually damaging my soul making me yeah. ill and actually yeah. taking me away from my power and it was holding me back from who I was supposed to be um and right. I left yeah it, it was a it was a very hard decision but it's the best decision I've ever made yeah I you know I'm not surprised to hear you say that and I think I hear that from everybody yeah who <laughs> who responds to the call uh there's no going backwards once you're aware yeah you just you see the systems like you said you see the flawed systems and how people are acting and not being connected to themselves they've it's almost like the way everything's designed is that you know you get a good education to get a good job but nobody's actually having self-awareness of self it's it's all about this destination but then suddenly people get ill or like they start having like midlife crises but it's because they've never had that connection with self to know who they yes. really are yeah and self is going to keep trying to get your attention again so it'll it'll give you one of those moments to try to get your attention yeah and um, I want to take it back a little bit about um your career as a woman of color in a predominantly white industry what was yeah what was that like well I mean <laughs> I think that it was Definitely difficult, but the, the level of difficulty changed with my perception. So let me explain that. You know, I think that, first of all, as a woman of color or as people of color, we are taught to uh, really assimilate early, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, from the time that you're a child, you're trying to make sure that you show up in a way where white people can accept you. Yeah. And so I think that I figured out... Um, Early on, I mean, I'm talking from my first internship, the way to speak and carry myself and the word choice uh, to use to make sure that I didn't stand out, but that I resonated and that I was able to, you know, stand out just enough to, you know, get ahead. Uh, and I was lucky. I was, or, you know, I worked hard. I was promoted a lot when I was young. And so I was a very young leader and a young manager throughout my career. Uh, but I think it was because it was a very carefully cultivated persona, honestly, um, that I put together to, to make people just uncomfortable enough that I could get the job done because I'm very direct and I can't change that, but not so uncomfortable <laughs> that, that they couldn't, you know, deal with having me around. And so I think assimilation was, was one example. I think, you know, the other thing, now that I look back on it, because I think also when you're so focused on getting ahead and being successful, mm -hmm. you turn the other cheek to experiences that make you uncomfortable because they cannot exist in order for you to perceive yourself as happy in that system. And so I think that there was things I slept walk through that I now look back on and think, wow, I mean, that's like, as I'm getting in touch with who I really am and being able to communicate in a way that is true to who I am, you know, I think about, wow, there's times you spoke to people just to you. 
or you had managers that would just, you know, treat you terribly because they didn't understand you. They didn't understand where to put you, where you fit. And maybe that threatened them. And fear causes people to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so, you know, I look back on those experiences now and I think, wow, you know, I even think there's some healing I have to do from Mm. facing that kind of thing. And then I think when you're in a client services world, so that's any kind of services. For me, it was, you know, PR and marketing and trying to sell things to to big brands. Uh, The pressure is even higher to feel like, you know, you're coming across polished. And and I've realized polished means whitewashed. (laughs) My my language, I had to realize that. (laughs) That's okay. Whoa. Um, Whoa, yeah. And that's, that's a deprogramming. Um, you know, I always say when people say, well, what can I expect when I get coached by you? And I said, the first thing I'm going to do is work on dismantling disadvantageous belief systems. And there you have one right there. You know, people tell you to be polished. Well, let's look at what that really means then. What are they asking of you? <laughs> well, that just hit me as you said that. I was like, whoa. Good. <laughs> whoa. I never even thought about it that way. But yeah, that's, oh, yeah, I, I 100% relate. Again, like yourself, I was so ambitious. Like, oh my God. Like I was working a part time job while studying, but working in the pharmacy, taking exams for that, but being a, studying journalism and um, doing as many placements as I could at a young age. And then like yourself, like I think for me, it was slightly different because oh, and, and I only realize this now, like how divided our world is, because I grew up in a world where like my neighbor who was English was like my third grandma. And I would literally call her my grandma and she was white. Mm. And like my mum's friends were all like diverse and they'd all be like my aunties from different backgrounds. But when I went to school, that's when I realized that I wasn't the, I wasn't being treated as equal and people saw me differently. But when I went into the journalism world, whoa, the amount of racism, Maury, it was shocking and things people would say. I couldn't believe it but like yourself I ignored it because I was like I need to get to the top like I have Mm -hmm. to put this to the side ignore what I'm feeling and I need to toughen up and just get there and then I can sort everything else after but yeah like I got told you're well spoken for an Asian woman um you you know you don't sound like an Indian woman I have you don't sound like that um loads of things and you're just like what is wrong with you and and the fact that we don't even speak up about it that's worrying like when I look back like yourself I think bloody hell like why did I put up with that and why should we put up with that um and you know I was like the hardest person in the room working yet that was not acknowledged because of one thing the color of my skin um again like you said being perceived in a way because of my color versus my my work ethic um yeah yeah, it's shocking and like even at university, like I, I was telling somebody the other day, actually, like um, this was when I was doing my master's. And again, this, this, this is an industry where like at the time when I was studying, I was the only brown woman in the room and there was probably two other ethnicity people. And that was it. There was like nobody. Um, it wasn't that diverse then. And so like a white woman spoke up and said, it's people like you, meaning me and then two other girls mm. who were people of color that are going to take our jobs. And I remember thinking, and again, I didn't wow. speak up. How dare she say that to me? I remember that. In my head, I was thinking in my head that she has no clue that we have to prove ourselves 10 times harder to even get noticed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember. But right there is that fear, right? I mean, there yeah. you hit it head on. It's like yeah. when people are coming from fear, they're ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And then we've always thought, we, we, I think that, you know, Anytime you're a minority, right, in any culture, I think that you take the blame on. 
you take the burden on of the fear that the masses are experiencing. And so for us, it was like, okay, I have to change. I have to become a, a less frightening to you so that I can succeed within this environment. Yeah, it's almost like we have to make a safe space for them to make them feel better. But then yes, exactly. what we're going through is like brushed under the carpet, like our problems are not big enough. Um, right. But yeah, I just ignored it. And then like even in the industry, I ignored it and just was shocked by it, but then just took it on my yeah. chin. And like yourself, like yeah. even like my last ever office job, like there was a racist thing being said in the office. And again, there was only me and some other person that were people of colour. Um, and that wasn't seen as a problem yet. When I sent an email to this woman who I confronted, um, I get pulled in the office for just saying, can you please not send me so many messages in the morning? It's like, I, that, mm-hmm. It was flipped on me. Like I was the problem. Like I had an attitude problem and I was like not listening when really I was. But it, it, it yeah. just fascinated me that it's hard enough as a woman, let alone a woman of colour, to have to put up with this shit. <laughs> yes, that, so true. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. But like now, like I think that's why reason a lot of people of color actually create businesses because they're sick and tired of the industry they're being treating badly. That they just want yeah. to breathe and be heard and seen and for who they really are. Yeah, yeah. And then I think the truth of it is, you go create a business and your customers are still, you know, part of the problem sometimes, right? <laughs> I mean, you're you're never gonna get away from it. Um, so again, I think the answer to all of these questions is always to go back internal and make sure that inside of yourself, you are so sturdy with who you are and what you're saying that, you know, it doesn't cause a wobble. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if it's your manager, it's one thing if it's a colleague, but if it's a customer mm-hmm. that you need to buy something from you, um, that's even more of a power hold that they have. Right. So how do we continue as people of color, as women in general, who want to be leaders, uh, to really follow our instincts and to not allow ourselves to be gaslit that our instincts are the wrong answer? Mm, yeah. Yeah. As you were just saying that, I was thinking of um, Kamala Harris and I was thinking, wow, like, thank God <laughs> for change. And like yeah. she's paving the way for for the world to see that you know things will change. But it, again, like yeah. you said, it's gonna it takes time. We have to do the work. We all have to do the work yes. to make shifts in the world. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you um, more like, why is it so more like why is it important for women to really lean into their natural strengths versus what the industry say they should follow? Well, I think it has to do with so much of what we just spoke about, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, the systems have to change. They have to, they're outdated, right? They're not serving us anymore. Um, and if, if that's the case, then first of all, one of the biggest themes in the current system is male leadership. And I'm not saying that male leadership has to go away, but I am saying that it has to be integrated and balanced with female leadership. And so if we are going to rise to that level where we are, you know, have equal representation in leadership and equal voices, we have to make sure that we understand our own natural innate gifts and strengths so we can be who we are rather than try to be something we're not. And the reason that that's important is because anytime you put on a show, it's not sustainable, right? Shows last two or three hours for a reason because you cannot remain in character for life. 
And so I think we have to remember that when we are trying to fit into a box that's been created by men Mm. that says this is what success looks like, you know, then there are so many powerful uh, inherent skills and gifts that we have that we're holding back on. And now look at what's happened to the world because we've held back. That's not working anymore. We have to put it forward. And so the only way that we can put it forward is to remind ourselves that the world needs this. Don't worry about the system telling you it doesn't work. The system doesn't want to crumble, but it has to. So in order for it to change and transform, we have to start with ourselves and understand these natural born gifts we have, these these instinctual talents that, that exist within us as females are necessary. They're not a burden. They're not so different that it's upsetting. They are required. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm literally nodding here as you're saying this. Yeah, Yeah. because like even like, I think as well, the word sensitivity that's been used for decades is seen as weak, but really sensitivity is such a powerful thing. And as women, our sensitivity helps us to be more intuitive, helps us to connect with ourselves more, helps us to understand things in a different perspective. And um, and like myself, now that I realize what I am, so basically I'm an empath. I'm not sure if you're aware of empath. Yes, I, yeah. I am one myself, so I know exactly. What yeah. <laughs> and like we, everything we got taught about sensitivity is actually the complete opposite of what really we needed to know. Like sensitivity is a power thing for us. It actually helps us to feel more grounded and connected with ourselves. And had I known that in the industry before, I think I would have taken a very different perspective. And I think a lot of women would have taken a very different perspective. And just like you were saying earlier, like, yeah, the systems are outdated because it is a very masculine approach to everything. But without yeah. without the feminine, the masculine can't really rise. <laughs> That's right. I mean, think about the word sensitivity in itself. I think it's a perfect example of when I say the system doesn't work or we reward the wrong thing. Think about the assault on that word sensitivity. Really all that that is, is saying, hey, if something does not feel right to you and you speak out about it, you are inconvenient. So shut up. (laughs) That's all that that is. So, I mean, and listen, I I am a person that is about forward movement. So I will tell you, I don't revel in just, you know, a world of complaints either. I don't like it when people are just complaining about what's wrong. Right. But that's not sensitivity. If you just take sensitivity as, as what it truly is, it's that you are so in touch with the way something feels inside of your psyche or your body that it's like a pebble in your shoe. And you have to say, no, this is not okay. Now, the way to turn that into momentum and change is to be a solutions vision oriented person along with that sensitivity. So point it out. Don't let people tell you you're too sensitive. That's again, that just means you're inconvenient to the the system continuing to do what it's doing. Be sensitive, but make sure it's paired with and here's what we should do about this thing I am pointing at. Yeah. And also, like when somebody calls you sensitive, they're actually gaslighting you. Um, 100%. Yeah, it's just that they're afraid that you know something and they don't want you to know that. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And 100% you're right. Like if you focus, like trust that sensitivity, but then when you have that solution, it, everything just flows. Everything just becomes more yes. clearer. Mm. Yes, exactly. exactly. And also I wanted to talk about, um, why is it that there's so much fear in the workplace? I've just, 
instead of like abundance i've just noticed that there's always a very masculine fear everything is fear-based i think that our world is fear-based unfortunately i think if you look at the politics of the u.s right now you'll see how powerful fear is and how people Mm -hmm. in power know how to utilize fear to get ahead so i think fear in itself is an entity that uh, we as a species have to change our relationship with. And, and I could talk about that for hours, but if I can answer your <laughs> question directly by saying, I think it comes from scarcity. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a notion inside of, of our workplace um, that there is not enough. There's not enough recognition. There's not enough money. There's not enough promotion opportunity. There's not enough, there's not enough, and there's not enough. And so when you feel like you're operating in a place of scarcity, uh, you then have to be afraid of not getting what you think you either deserve or you work so hard for or you need to survive. And, you know, that fear-based, you know, culture is really needing a good hard look. And, and I think that if we look at it, we'll see, oh, behind this fear is a notion that's been planted in people's mind that there's there's not abundance here, that there's mm-hmm. not, uh, you know, opportunity that is endless. And I, you know, I say this when I do strategic consulting for businesses, it's like you need to perceive the opportunities in your marketplace with abundance. Mm-hmm. Stop being so scarcity minded <laughs> because that's then the kind of energy you attract. That's the kind of customer you attract. But if you can yeah. start to see things with abundance, then new, that's where innovation comes from. Innovation mm-hmm. is the notion that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. That's how we invent things. And anything is possible is also synonymous for abundance. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Never really thought of it in that way, but it's yeah. true. That, that makes sense, like why a lot of people are fear and then they work these silly hours extra on top because I must see, I must uh, make sure I've got my job and like all that fear and then yeah. they get more work and then they get overloaded and before they know it, they're not really going home until like midnight. Well, yeah. Because again, there's the notion of I have to stand out in some way and there's this one slot and so there's 10 of us competing for this one slot and I'm going to kill myself and, and destroy my boundaries of honoring my own life outside of work in order to to compete it's like lord of the flies yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I 100% relate because I oh there was the last ever job I did like in the office um I was working till 11 30 at night and if I turned yeah. up one minute late after nine o'clock my boss used to shout at me and then one day I flipped in the office and I was like I'm done <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm, you know, he was testing me to see how far he could take me and like take the mick with my boundaries. But again, I didn't know that what boundaries were. I didn't even know they existed until later in my life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, that's a whole other conversation. You know, we don't we don't tell people to have boundaries. We don't respect yeah. people's boundaries. The only way that boundaries are respected is if you create them yourself and you respect them so much that people have no choice but to operate with you within that boundary. Yeah. Do you think women like in the workplace have more problems with boundaries than men? Would you say? I think women in general have more problems <laughs> with boundaries because we've been trained that we are, you know, in service of, of other. Mm. Really? Yeah. I mean, I think that for, for the past, I don't know, 4000 years, 
that's been the truth that that females are exist in order to be of service and so then how do you have a boundary if your existence is about other people's happiness you don't yeah 100 percent. yeah I relate like even with my clients like when we do like the inner work and we look back and like say the mother didn't have boundaries but then the great grandma didn't have boundaries and then we're like why like they they try to understand why they didn't have boundaries growing up and then we see the pattern it's generational yeah deeply rooted so much um same with self-love it's deeply rooted if you didn't grow up with it you're not going to know so it's 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 unlearning those patterns that you grew up with to create a safe environment for yourself yeah it's scientific I mean you've seen (laughs) those studies they've done on mice where they you know create a pain stimulus in one and then three generations down that mouse still has that same stimulus just looking at that object. I mean, that's a DNA thing that happens to us that's real. It's not just, um, you know, a spiritual concept. Mm. It is a scientific truth that your cells form themselves around, you know, a certain stimulus and you pass that on. And so I think women, we have a really hefty job in front of us to deprogram a lot, a lot of cellular beliefs that do not serve us they serve others yeah absolutely and I guess as well like yeah that makes sense we have been told that we must serve the other sex as well like growing up and like I know for me like growing up in my culture the Indian community oh my god it's all about people pleasing yeah. putting on a front yeah. making sure we look perfect and you know yeah. go and bring this and do this and show auntie or uncle this who are not even related to you half the time but it's 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 a show like you said it's like like the workplace it's a show yeah um and I'm Persian so we have a very similar uh uh, cultural norm yeah exactly right and like you just think when you take a step back and you realize what's happening you're like bloody hell like Mm-hmm. it's like and when you say no it's like shame and then you have all that guilt and shame oh, yeah. for like speaking your truth and it's like wow we really do have to decode so many generationals of like female like our ancestors their pain of not being able to have a voice and here we are in this day and yeah. age having that ability to have that voice to then cut the cord yeah. for the next generation I think it's so powerful yeah and when you're told that speaking your truth yeah. hurts other people you naturally associate your truth with darkness. Yeah. And that's very cultural for us. I was just actually having this conversation with my cousin last night about Thanksgiving not being, you know, a huge thing this year for obvious reasons because of COVID and how there's, you know, members of the family that are really struggling with that. And and my truth is hurtful to them. And it really, Mm -hmm. now, you know, even as a very woke person who coaches people do not let their you know feelings about your truth make you think there's something wrong with what you're saying yeah oh absolutely especially like holiday seasons there's always somebody oh yeah you're you're a spoken uh person of color woman especially then um you're seen as the bad one (laughs) yes exactly the outspoken one right and it's just shocking to realize that this system has been happening for decades and it's almost like the women of the family don't even realize that they've been manipulated and controlled. So they think what yeah. is, what they're saying as well is actually is going to benefit you. And really, they don't even realize how controlled they've been. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, how can women like unlearn toxic work, like workplace habits? What can they do into to start that ball rolling? 
Well, I think you have to be aware of it, right? I think it's, what is it, in AA or whatever, the process is acceptance is the first stage. You know, it's the same thing. You have to <laughs> be aware of what's happening in order to change it. So the first thing I would say is really ask your gut to speak to you. You know, if something doesn't feel right, follow that trail, follow that thread, follow that voice internally and explore why, why doesn't it feel right? And I think what you'll start to see is your eyes will open to different things that are toxic that you didn't even realize. And then, you know, I think the second one is explore the fear you have in speaking up and standing up to it. What are you afraid of? What's the worst case scenario? And make sure that you've done the work to, you know, take some of that fear away so that you can find the courage to speak up. Um, and you know, what you'll find is that you'll magnetize people to you when you start to do that. Some people will absolutely fall away, but that means because they need to so that you can evolve, but you'll also then magnetize people who are so inspired by that, that you can, people can change cultures. We don't just have to cancel everything all the time. We can heal it. And it really starts with yourself and then, and creating a collective of, of people that want to create that shift. Nice. And can you tell us about the 8220 group? Sorry, 822 group. 822, yeah, 822 group. Yeah, that's the name of my consultancy. And we, you know, we call ourselves a transformation consultancy. Uh, And I I talked about why I founded it, which was really around um, wanting to make sure that organizations got to the core of their issues and, and that leaders got to the core of their issues. And so in that consultancy, we do basically three things. One is work with businesses on looking at, you know, how do we create more purpose within that business, whether it's the brand or the leadership team? How do we create more emotional intelligence? How do we build leadership teams that work well together, that align well? Um, and then we do what I call purpose branding, which is, you know, how do your vision and mission and values really uh, fold into what you do day to day, the decisions you make, you know, the marketing campaigns that you run, how are you truly being purposeful in the way that you speak and act? And then lastly, I do executive coaching with uh, executive teams or leaders one-on-one, um, but I call it executive coaching elevated because we focus on purpose, individual purpose. That was powerful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love that. Because it's definitely you, you are making a shift. And I think it's so important that there's people like yourself going out there and making these shifts because you're right. The old patterns just they don't work anymore. They need to go. Yes, they, just, they need to go. It, yeah. It's well past time. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're coming towards the end of the show. I've just got a few more questions left. Um, yeah. My first one is, what are your five top tips for someone who wants more abundance in the workplace, but they don't really know where to start? So again, it's all about going internal, right? So the first one is look internally. What is it within yourself that um, you have accepted, right? What is it that you uh, are doing to uh, believe in scarcity? What is it that you're doing to push abundance away? So start to really just get curious with yourself about your own belief systems. Mm -hmm. Um, The second is to then change your expectations, right? Elevate your expectations of yourself and of others. Uh, I always say that when you elevate your frequency, then people who are at a higher frequency will find you or other people will be forced to elevate their frequency to be around you. So really look at your expectations and and change them and, and elevate what you expect of others and of yourself in terms of abundance. Um, and then the third one is change your perceptions, 
right? I think that it's really important if we want to attract abundance that we perceive things as abundant. Mm -hmm. So when I say it starts with getting curious about yourself and figuring out where you're not doing that, you know, that next step is, okay, with the shift I have to make to perceive money as abundant, to perceive opportunities as abundant, to perceive love as abundant, where do I need to do the work to shift that perception? Um, And then, you know, you have to talk the talk. You have to get comfortable (laughs) using the words of abundance um, and and really looking at your language, right? For example, Mm -hmm. and is a very powerful word. So how do you replace or with and? How do you build instead of take away? Uh, How do you replace judgment of others and yourself with words that are, you know, helping people feel good about themselves and and that are inspirational? And then lastly, you know, I think it's a spiritual truth and it's a truth in business and in self-development, which is really display gratitude. Mm -hmm. Find out every single day what you're grateful for and bring um, breathe life into that by speaking about it, by expressing gratitude towards it, because gratitude just attracts like things. And, and that's only going to increase abundance in your life. Oh, that's beautiful. And yeah, the fourth one, I was, I was, I was literally nodding. It's almost like the word as well, but oh, I don't like that word. Like, yes, it's great. Right. But, and it's like, but, yeah. <laughs> so I remember starting to change that to however, because I found that that sounded a lot more calmer. <laughs> It's so true. And, you know, we don't even realize it, but I think it's we when we think about the power of words, we think about words that others speak to us, Mm. but it's actually about the words we speak to ourselves and the thoughts and the words we speak to others. So, again, it starts with self. I think one of the most transformational things I've learned in my life is that we cannot expect change from others. We have to do every single thing we hear, every piece of advice, every inspirational quote you read, apply it to yourself. Don't think about my boss. Uh Uh-huh. She should really read this. It's like, no, that's for you. What can you do to change? Yeah, that's so true. Because obviously, once you reflect that, they can see that within you and think, oh, what's she been doing or what's he been doing? And then they inquire. Yeah, 100% relate with what you're saying. 100%. And Oh, just two more questions. What are you most grateful for? Wow, I have so many things. I, you know, I have a killer support system in my fiance, in my children, in my sisters, my mom. I mean, I really, my family is so, they think I can rule the world if I wanted to. So I really think that um, I have huge gratitude for the love and support that is around me. It really makes me feel indestructible. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And and what shines your inner light? That is a really good question. Mm. (laughs) I think it's connection to my higher self. Mm. I think it's taking the time to be connected to that voice that's always trying to guide me towards better for myself and others. Um, And, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I am not at all a religious person but I'm very spiritual and I believe that the universe is always conspiring for our best. And I think that when I tap into that, uh, I genuinely can channel um, that love and that knowledge. And that's when I feel like I'm shining the brightest. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Maury, for being the show. And just thank you for sharing everything um, and just being your most highest version of yourself and helping so many people. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. 
Wow, what an amazing interview with Maury. It's so true. It's it's time for us to dismantle these old belief systems within the workplace because they just don't serve us anymore. And the more that we try to push this masculine energy, the more we're actually going to have more problems within society. And that's why it's so important to balance the masculine and the feminine. They both equally have power in their own rights. And the more that we embrace those sides, the more that we will feel more calm and connected and understood and creativity within the workforce will just flow naturally. For more information about Maury, you can check out her show notes on our website at www.girdshundle.com. This week, I want to leave you with this quote. Acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation of all abundance. That's a quote by Eckhart Tolle. Take care. Bye. Remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.